I, w- I would say that w- one main thing is that just don't expect things to happen in the short term. It's definitely a long-term game here. And I think if you can just be consistent and focus on execution, you you should do pretty well because I think execution is probably the main risk for, for why any business succeeds here. It's not competition or capital. I would say in general, if you find a business that has that potential to be a good executor in their sector and you're working alongside some great human capital, you should over the long term end up in a great position, I would say. But from what I see, it's all about finding those companies that are at that point of stronger execution than their peers. Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Au, venture capitalist, serial founder, Harvard MBA, science fiction nerd, and dad of two daughters. Every week, we debate startup news, interview changemakers, answer listener questions, and share personal insights. Join our movement of over 20,000 members and get transcripts, resources, and community at www.bravesea.com. Meet Rinkas, your go-to digital mortgage platform breaking down financial barriers for home seekers across Indonesia and Southeast Asia. They operate in more than 15 cities in partnership with all major Indonesian banks and premier property developers. Rinkas is on a mission to democratize home ownership and create over 100 million new homeowners. Don't just dream about owning a home, make it a reality. Explore more at www.ringcast.co.id. Morning, Max. Good morning, Dom. Good to have you both. You're both the wonderful hosts of Rising Giants. I would say the premier source of news on uh, Cambodia's startup ecosystem. And I think there are so many questions. I had a wonderful time hosted by your conference, but also a wonderful time having dinner with you all. And I think this would be an amazing conversation. Could you please introduce yourselves, Will? Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, inviting us on Brave Podcast. My name is Max Thornton, born in the UK and since then lived in nine countries. But Cambodia is where I've been for the last three years. Before, before setting up Rising Giants and coming to Cambodia, I mostly worked in, I worked for in, in the crypto space as well as in doing emerging market consulting for a company called Oxford Business Group. And then the fund was called Shah. And I came to Cambodia middle of 2020, right in the middle of COVID and mm-hmm. just saw the opportunities here. And yeah, since then, founded Rising Giants 2021 and been a good journey since. Thanks, Max. And thank you, Jeremy, for having us on the show today as well. Really excited to dive into the conversation. As introduced, my name is Dom or Dominic Kalusik and co-founder and co-host of Rising Giants. A little bit about my background, was born in the U.S., went to university there, worked at Bank of America for three years before taking the jump and the journey over to Cambodia in 2019 and kind of putting myself in the impact investment space. Then slowly going over to the consulting side to work more hands-on with startups in the clean planet agriculture space as well. And as Max had had said before, we really kicked off Rising Giants at the beginning of 2021. And yeah, it's been a journey since. Amazing. So how did you both end up co-founding a podcast and community uh, in Cambodia? I can start. I arrived in Cambodia like August 2020 and ended up doing the networking rounds and Mm. figuring out who else was working the VC or just the investment space and they're the same kind of age or level as me. And Dom was someone that I came across. And then literally he called me up in November and just said, hey, do you, you know, I'm thinking about launching a podcast. Do you want to do it together? And that was really it. Dom and I actually didn't meet in person until February 2022. So it was all online for the first year. <laughs> That's kind of like a meet cute romantic comedy <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Sorry. It really is. What at the slight bit of detail that 
Max forgot to let, leave out was the initial call after just getting to know each other was the introduction to some of the friends and the the football group there. So yeah, that was kind of the precipice of our entire friendship and then just evolved to founding the, par- the podcast from there. So talk about why picking Cambodia, right? I mean, both of you met each other and both of you shared this interest, but I mean, Cambodia, you could have uh, picked, I don't know, like I said, football, right? That could be a topic. It could be something else. It could be another country. So why Cambodia? Yeah. So for me personally, I had my initial journey to Southeast Asia had started actually before that. I had done a, a trip over there, graduating university for a couple of months and coming and going through Cambodia had been very influenced there, had really strong connection. And so when it was come to time to take that next step after leaving my first job and de- going towards more of a career that I wanted, it, it just aligned in which the job opportunity to work in the impact investment space had led me to Cambodia. And from there, it's, as Max had mentioned, you could feel the energy when you're on the ground there. When you actually are talking to founders as well, it's a different kind of, of field, the conversation where there's a lot of motivation. It's just it's about how you can culminate that to be able to really kick off that growth to the next stage. I would say for me, it was a lot of it. Yeah, myself, my day job literally before uh, coming to Cambodia was interviewing roughly three CEOs, founders a day, working for this company called Oxford Business Group. They work in 30 kind of emerging markets. They do basically investment content about what's going on in some of these up and coming countries. So we were covering a lot of emerging Asia. uh, And at the time I was in Kenya. And then prior to that, I was thinking a lot about going to this part of the world. And I think Myanmar was going to be my next project prior to COVID. And so then it was just sitting down in the UK in the middle of 2020 and saying, okay, I need to make my own way because at that that time, that company had actually paused operations. And so then I just made a list of countries that I felt were worth entertaining over the long term in Southeast Asia slash Asia. So I was looking at Myanmar, Cambodia, Uzbekistan and Nepal. And so then just started applying for opportunities in those four countries. And then something just came up, jumped on a plane and yeah, just came through. But at the time, COVID wasn't even a big factor, I guess, in this part of the world. That only really came through in 2021. So I'm just kind of curious, what were some learnings you had about Cambodia? Because both of you were learning about a country, you picked a country and wanted to go dive deep into it. So what was that learning journey for you from your perspective? Yeah, for, for me, it was really just doing the research, like the desktop research and looking at some of the main indicators and then just coming to the country and actually just seeing some of the opportunities and what was reality versus uh, perception. And I think a lot of the startup space here is not covered around the region. And so when you actually show up here, you kind of realize what's going on as opposed to what's being reported. So what would you say are some of the differences between reality and perception? I think one of the main ones would be the overall adoption of technology here. It's not something that I thought would be as high. And that's something that when you do show up here and you just see this emerging generation of people that are really ready to do that, the average age being mid-20s here, I think that's one thing that's really apparent when you even compare it to like, Europe, for example. Yeah, I think you hosted this Cambodia startup ecosystem event and you were very kind to invite me as a speaker and panelist. And I think when I told a lot of folks uh, that I was traveling to Cambodia, a lot of folks were like, okay, wait, I've never heard of the Cambodia startup ecosystem. What major features? Is it large? Is it dense? What are people focused on? So I'm just kind of curious, Dom, from your perspective, what do you think those aspects are? Yeah, that's a great point. And it also feels like a lot of the light is shined on the countries that are around Cambodia. I mean, think about Vietnam, Indonesia, some of these bustling ecosystems where you have just tech startups coming out and being reported on. And on Cambodia's side, it it is very much flying underneath the radar in terms of just general news that is getting out more in the broader world. But 
one of the things that we did, and especially putting on this event, it was just to go and show that once you really bring together the investors, creatives, and entrepreneurs that have been working on projects for the past couple of years and businesses, taking on that risk and wanting to grow to that next level, it's something where when you bring in outside participants like yourself to come join the, the conference, it, it sometimes takes a bit of that push to be able to really show like you have to be boots on the ground to be able to realize these kind of opportunities exist. Yeah. So, so Dom, what kind of opportunities do you feel exist from your perspective on the ground for the past few years? You've been at a conference, what verticals or what opportunities do you see exist? Yeah, definitely. So I think two of the biggest ones is around fintech and healthcare. Specifically in the healthcare side, there are opportunities now of or the digital startups that are growing. But I think one of the things that may be a little bit overlooked is also part of these traditional healthcare businesses that may not be run to the full efficiency levels. But if there is the opportunity to be able to come in and work together with the founder or the business owner at that level, you can really be able to bring on that kind of growth that maybe wasn't exactly there or wasn't exactly clear in the first place. And then on the fintech side, if you just look at e-wallets in, in general, the exponential growth for, I think at the end of last year was around just over 19 million e-wallets that were um, set up in Cambodia, which than the population, but still it's it just goes to show that the digital adoption, the curve to that is getting pretty exponential. And Max, from your perspective, put together a conference and can you share a little bit on the numbers there, like the number of participants, what you saw the demographics were, how you how you went? Yeah, sure. We had 400 attendees, 25 speakers, and then about 20 or so booths. I think the main thing that, that we tried to do that was different was really have a private sector focused startup event that may sound kind of random to someone sitting in Singapore, but in Cambodia in general, the startup space is still dominated by the NGOs and the development sector. Mm. And so we just wanted to have an event that could be fully unscripted and really have sponsors that could work with us and let us get on with it. So I think that was one of the main things. And then also being able to have the startup and the investment side of things, but then also add this other third thing that was more about the creator economy. So yeah, we're happy with the overall reception. I think one of the main surprises for us was that the attendance was a lot younger. Actually, we ended up having probably 80% Kamai attendees, which we were really happy with because we, we thought originally we might be a little bit too skewed to foreigners, expats, for example. Yeah, so you were surprised that's 80% Kimmer. So why were they there? Why were they interested from your perspective? Why did they buy a ticket? Well, I think ticket price was quite reasonable. We did $10 for students and we work with a few different universities as well. I think that there's some people that are listening to podcasts, but then there are also some that actually just like to go and have that osmosis and meet people. And so there was a lot of silent fans that we weren't really aware of that, that, then, we, that we, then we sort of an event like this. Um, so yeah, that was some of the main things. Uh, Dom, any interesting stories of people that you got to meet at a conference or were you just running around <laughs> organizing and wrangling? <laughs> yeah, there's this guy named Jeremy Howe. I, I don't know if oh. you've heard of him before. He's a really interesting fellow. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, meeting you was fantastic, but I would say that most of the time, like you said, it is running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to keep things organized. And I will say it was a lot of the conversations afterward that happened on Telegram or messages and follow-ups that led to other conversations too. I think at the event, one of the biggest surprises was the amount of other businesses or potential sponsors that came up throughout the day and were just, for example, like coming up to Max and saying like, hey, we really are impressed with the turnout. If you put on something like this again for next time, please let us know. We're more happy to support. I would say that uh, everyone that was 
a participant there that were on the panels are, are people that we've had on the show before or have had multiple conversations. So it was great to be able to catch up with them. And it was also great to be able to have them on stage and be able to share their stories and experiences. And hopefully the audience was able to come away with one or two learnings from it. Wow, amazing. And then from your perspective, Dom, I think one interesting part was that are you going to do it again? How would you do it differently? <laughs> when would you do it? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we would do for next time is probably reach out to more regional investors. I, I think it was great to have you come all the way out to Cambodia. And I think that more of that push to continue to have that boots on the ground impact, see it for yourselves versus what's technically being reported on. So I think that's one way. The, the second thing is also one of the takeaways and feedback that we've received is a lot of people come to conferences to see who's speaking, but the more important conversations that are happening are right afterward and creating that space of that next level of conversation of those that are in the crowd are being able to share ideas and being able to try and create synergies or some ideas might come up where it will lead to something down the line. Um, so I think for next time, it's, it's being more intentional and creating a time after the, the speakers or the, the uh, panel's discussion is finished. The, the last thing would be just thinking about if we were to do a full day event versus a half day event, then maybe creating some break off more specific deep dives into maybe technical knowledge, so things that are 200, 300 level, maybe specific around financial literacy or things that business owners may run into on a daily basis that a speaker who has professional experience on or has dealt with it could be able to have a more breakout small. So Mm. I would say those are probably the, the three things. Yeah. And Max, I think what I've noticed as well is that you've been working hard and also the podcast as well, putting out the materials on the resources and education about Cambodia as a market. I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, what are some aspects of the market that you felt resonated particularly with folks who are trying to understand Cambodia for the first time in terms of statistics or in terms of facts? Yeah, I would say some statistics on the VC space here is that actually the valuations are still very reasonable if you're coming in as a pre-seed or seed investor. It's rare to see a startup valued at more than a million in those two kind of rounds. And so you're looking at probably only about 20 active VC investors here. And then obviously some angels as well. But then there is that focus on certain sectors, like Dom was saying, fintech has been a big focus and e-commerce as well. I'd say those are the only two crowded sectors. But beyond that, the landscape is pretty wide open for startups like launching in other sectors. For instance, SaaS businesses, for example, I'd say probably less than 10 that have recently been founded that are selling SaaS products here. Also looking at ed tech that is only really just getting going. There's only one company in the entire sector that's had more than a a few hundred thousand in investment. They're just these sectors where when you look at other countries, they're just seeing a lot flowing in. Even the other one would be crypto as well. There's really only been a handful of crypto investments or companies that have launched here. So it just kind of goes in stages. I feel like the market, because there's only so many participants, the market does get interested in a few different sectors and you see that focus and then those valuations going up, but it hasn't broadened to how many sectors you'd be looking at in Singapore, for example. Yeah, I think one thing I was surprised by was to find out that one third of Cambodia's GDP is linked to textiles. Frankly, I always thought that clothes, for example, being made in China, for example, or in South Asia. But I thought it was interesting to find out that Cambodia was a piece. And I think I started paying attention a lot more to my labels after that. And of course, a lot of that textile industry is also linked to China. And then I think I was on the other participants and they were saying like, there's a lot of Vietnamese influence or players as well as Thai players in the ecosystem by function of geography. So what do you think about that? 
in terms of Cambodia's place within Southeast Asia. See, I think you put it pretty well on the podcast that we did together and talking just about GDP per capita. I think the other indicator to look at is FTI that's been coming in or FTI divided by GDP. And I think mm. Cambodia does end up being like in the top three to five. Um, but you do have a lot of that investment that's coming in. It's, a lot of it is crowded in the real estate space. Like you only have to go to one of the outskirts cities, the port city called Sin Phil, and that's had massive amounts of Chinese investment mm. in the real estate sector and had a bit of a bubble. So there's a lot of buildings that haven't been complete yet. And I think the big difference that's happening over the last maybe five years is you're also seeing a lot of this manufacturing starting to come in. I mean, not necessarily that high-tech manufacturing, but you're seeing companies from Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, these kinds of more emerging, sorry, more developed countries in Asia then come and see Cambodia as a place to also put a factory or something like that. But I would say the garment sector is definitely stalling to some extent. I don't actually have the full figures on that. But it's a lot to do with the the rules for still having access to the European market. And there's been a lot of change that's happened there. So yeah, diversification definitely happening in exports. So what do you think are the industries that being focused on from a governmental perspective to take the country forward? I guess one aspect of course is tourism. There are tourists there as well. Wonderful uh, scenery, wonderful food, wonderful attractions. I'm just kind of curious what are the verticals for focus from your perspective? Yeah, actually, Khmer Enterprise, which is basically the, the part of the government that really focuses on that, on promoting that. One of the big sectors that they're focused on is agro-processing, basically taking these kind of raw products and actually making them marketable and exporting them. That's a big focus. You're also seeing a lot of services in general. That's how they term it, like service businesses. And then you've also got definitely a big push on tech in general and how that relates to the services sector and then just making everything more lean. So I would say those are some of the main sectors, but ag agriculture is still 30% of GDP, but it's about taking that to then the next level of exports. Yeah, I guess one of them was gin, right? I think we had a wonderful uh, time at the gin uh, distillery, uh, but I think it was an interesting conversation I had with the owner about taking the raw ingredients, but kind of like having to process that, but also create event space and then sell that to both the domestic and regional audience it was really quite interesting and obviously a great way to down the value stack. So Dom, I was just kind of curious from your perspective, obviously you've also been building a podcast and you've done so many different episodes. I'm just saying like, are there any particularly interesting learnings from building a podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. There was a great post I saw on LinkedIn and I'll share it afterward, but it, it kind of revolves around how the first 50 episodes is just actually doing it. Then the next 50 episodes is about refining your craft. And then the next 50 episodes after that is about building your audience. And I think one of the biggest learnings is that things take time to grow. You just have to stay consistent. You have to really just dig your heels in and make the effort to be able to reach out to whoever it is that you can get on the podcast early on and being able to just build that network. It, it, it just ultimately becomes pretty organic from that point on. And we were very fortunate early on to have a, some really great guests at the very beginning who were able to help provide referrals and get some really great guests early on, such as Ritzy Tool and some other really great guests. So I think that was probably the, the biggest learning to this point since the beginning. Consistency is key. How do you build in that consistency? <laughs> Having a lot of telegram conversations. <laughs> with who? With, every, with, with everyone. <laughs> Your guests? Potential yeah. guests with Max, with everyone. I, I think building that consistency is just having an open line of communication. As you're aware, I'm primarily based in, in the U.S. and then Max is full-time in Cambodia. So even then, we're working on a 12-hour 
sometimes 11 hour time difference depending on daylight savings. But from there, it's always just having this open line, clear communication and making sure to work through anything that comes up. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing is just having that open line of communication and being able to understand where we're both at whenever it comes to a topic or a decision or guess or anything along those lines in the spectrum. Yeah, maybe just quick follow up on that. Literally, Cambodia lives on Telegram. The email response rate is probably three to four days, but the Telegram response rate is probably three to four hours. So that's where all business is done. So Rising Giants, we must have over 100 Telegram groups that we have with all our guests that we just communicate with them and stay up to date, etc. Kind of crazy Telegram. I mean, who knows what the messaging standard is in Singapore and Indonesia is WhatsApp. So it's just how does Telegram become like the de facto standard in Cambodia? Any idea? That's a great question. It's just, I think, adoption. Once, cool. I'm just wondering, I'm just saying this should be, this would be a great podcast deep dive, which is like, hey, Southeast Asia, how did all the various standards come to existence? Why Telegram? Well, it's like Line in uh, Thailand. I think it's Line. Standards Everyone uses well. that. Yeah, yeah. But I think also because of the Japanese connection. So I think early on, the connections, the density, that one feels a little bit more straightforward to me in some ways. Mm. Like there's a new one. So, it, uh, it is, yeah. Maybe even just if, to double click on it, it's uh, the user interface, it's similar to WhatsApp, but at the right. same time, it, it feels when you're actually using it, it's pretty simple. Even on your desktop, it's just so nice to be able to drag and drop files or pictures or things and be able to compress them and send them over and just being able yeah. to create a simple group or being able to create a channel even just for distribution of, for example, a lot of the one of our media partners, Cambodia Investment Review, they have a Telegram channel where they release all of their articles on. And so people can't really comment on it or text message or message back on, it, but they receive it as if it's like a, a news feed. Yeah, I think it's just mind-blowing how many different messaging standards that for Southeast Asia. So it's WhatsApp in Singapore and Indonesia. Obviously, Telegram is very popular in Gen Z in Singapore. So they don't, you know, I think I was talking to one person and I was like, what do you use WhatsApp for? And he's like, oh, to talk to people like you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what a burn. And then I'm in like Philippines and then they're like, yeah, we don't use WhatsApp, we use Facebook Messenger. And so I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a lot of Facebook, right, in the Philippines. So anyway, that's where we're at. Could you share a little bit more about one of the interesting times from both of you, a time that you personally have been brave? Sure, I can start. I think in my early career, I definitely took a bit of a career risk and I basically went and worked for one of the first crypto funds that was being set up in London at the end of 2017. So right in the middle of that like first bull run. And I think a lot of people looked at me and said, what are you doing? This seems like a really risky thing to do to go and join a very small team and just get that startup experience. So I think that was when I originally felt that kind of moving from a company of over a thousand people down to like 10 in a sector that was at that point, it was unproven. Yeah. How about yourself, Dom? Yeah, I, I think mine's a little bit more on the, the personal side. And that's with actually taking that jump to come to Cambodia. Growing up in the U.S. and going to university there and you know, very fortunate to have that opportunity. And you're kind of ingrained to say, do well in school, go to a job, go put money in your 401k and stay at your business for 30, 40 years, kind of like how your maybe your family did or, or something. It's always put your head down and work and trying to do anything that is outside of what might be the social norm might be but I think right at the three-year mark when I was leaving, I sat down with my manager at the time and told him, hey, I'm going to go take this opportunity in Cambodia. It's something that I'm passionate about and feel like I just feel like this is the step that I need to take. And he was like, do it. Didn't even do anything. He said, go and do it. You're in your early 20s. You have the opportunity. Go try and do that. And stepping away from family, friends, like a, a, a 
clear vision of a career going into somewhere where it was completely new. It was probably the time to be brave, but it was also probably one of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life because it wouldn't have put us here in this podcast together today. You know, I think one interesting thing is that Cambodia is seen as a very frontier market. So obviously lots of market information asymmetry is opaque. A lot of these facts that you mentioned obviously are new. People are going to have to figure out how to use Telegram. So what advice would you give to folks who are entering Cambodia as a market, either as a founder or as an investor? I would say listen to Rising Giants. It's the number one source of starting. <laughs> no, I think it's just to have an open mind and to know that truly go in there and speak to the people, try to understand as much and know that whatever knowledge it is that you feel like you're coming in with, it's how you're working with, with Cambodians. And it's more of, you have to have the open-mindedness to be able to know that you aren't going to have the power or any sort of change that you would want to guide and direct. It's more of you're there to grow together, not that you're there to go and, and make the actual change. You're there to go and grow together with the local founders. Max, how about yourself? I, w- I would say that w- one main thing is that just don't expect things to happen in the short term. It's definitely a long-term game here. And I think if you can just be consistent and focus on execution, you you should do pretty well because I think execution is probably the main risk for, for why any business succeeds here. It's not competition or capital. I would say in general, if you find a business that you can work at that has that potential to be a good executor in their sector and you're working alongside some great human capital, you should over the long term end up in a great position, I would say. But from what I see, it's all about finding those companies that are at that point of stronger execution than their peers. Max, how have you seen that patience play out in your opening journey in Cambodia? Yeah, I think what, one good example would be beginning of 2021, I was working at a fund here and they wanted to raise their next fund. It's called They're called Obor Capital. I'm still an advisor with them. And they're one of the uh, VCs here to launch another fund and raise the capital. And obviously COVID was a big part of that. So I think that's one thing that I came in expecting things to move quicker on that regard. But I think building those relationships and bringing in capital to the country is a very long-term game. And you've just got to be willing to put in the time to build those relationships. And eventually something uh, should come of that. But, but with Dom and I, the first step with Rising Giants has been to build the podcast. Second step has been to do these events. And then for us, the third step for us is to figure out what role we can play in the startup investment space, but we just haven't been rushing that because we know it's something that will take time to build that credibility and build those relationships. So uh, yeah, this year is the year that we hopefully start doing something in that regard, but we can't be in a rush. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So on that note, I'd love to summarize the three big takeaways I got from this conversation. First of all, I thought it was really nice to hear, I think, your learning journey, both in terms of that neat, cute story about meeting each other during the pandemic, but also in terms of what took to learn about Cambodia as a market in terms of your personal learning journeys, but also what Rising Giants would do as a group. So I think it was really interesting to hear all these micro lessons about learned along the way. The second thing, can I, the second thing I appreciated was you sharing about Cambodia as a market. Obviously, it's a frontier market for so many folks around the world, but also within Southeast Asia. So I think it was good to hear some of the statistics, also hear some of the stories and lessons that you learned along the way about what Cambodia is and I think what are the different aspects that Cambodia features, for example, in terms of textile industry, but also in terms of Telegram as a messaging app, as well as what I like to work with local players and consumer population. Lastly, thank you so, so much for sharing about the advice that you would give for people who are exploring. So I think it was interesting to hear about the patience that you need to have, but also the bravery needed to explore and to make local connections and be really embedded 
with the reality rather than the perception of the market. So I thought it was a wonderful story all in all. So thank you so much, Dom and Max, for coming on the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave. Stay brave.